Hi, everyone. Welcome to the MD Advantage podcast. This is Steve Adubato. MD Advantage is proud to now be a part of the Mag Mutual family. MD Advantage physicians and their practices will continue to receive exceptional protection and support now backed by the strength and stability of Mag Mutual. Our podcast is honored to be joined by Dr. Christopher Holsteg, who is Chief of Division of Medical Toxicology and Professor of Emergency Medicine and Pediatrics at the University of Virginia and a member of the medical faculty at Mag Mutual Insurance Company. Doctor, great to have you with us again. Steve, thank you. It's great to be here. Uh, for those who may have missed your introduction last time, tell folks a little bit about your background in toxicology. Yeah, I'm a board of medical toxicologist. I work at the University of Virginia. I care for all the poison patients here and at 48 other hospitals that are covered through our poison center. And your role at Mag Mutual is really important. Yeah, I've worked with uh, Meg Mutual on a number of things, including some of these educational sessions, uh, trying to get some of the information off to make sure that our clinicians keep our uh, patients safe. Dr. Holsteg, I'm going to get into this question. You were saying before we got on the uh, air for the podcast, this is a confusing and important issue. The question of urine drug screens. What are urine drug screens first and why is this topic, this issue so important? Yeah, urine drug screens are what are known as immunoassays that help to determine whether or not there's a substance in your urine. Uh, specifically, uh, the first drug screen that was made, I was really looking for things such as morphine metabolites, uh, PCP, amphetamines, marijuana, uh, in cocaine. And so you can have immunoassays that actually screen in the urine to determine whether or not there is the, they're present uh, there. So, so the whole question of urine drug screens, um, the, the, the history behind them is important, but also the question of how some people are attempting to beat the screens, if you will. First of all, what are we talking about the history? History is fascinating. Um, in the 1980s, there was a prowler crash on an aircraft carrier. And when that occurred, a number of the crew on that aircraft carrier during the autopsies were found to have illicit substances in their system. That led to an extensive uh, testing of military personnel, and that led to a drug testing program by the military, which then President Ronald Reagan liked and decided to uh, do an executive order requiring testing of all federal employees with urine drug screens. And uh, that executive order then really led to testing more broadly uh, to private industry, academia, and other places. Now, if you think about it, that immunoassay system that was developed at that time, the five main drugs that I mentioned, uh, that was in the 1980s, and things have really evolved since that time. And there are a, just a tremendous amount of uh, substances being used and misused now in society. Um, Dr. Holstein, let me let me try this. I'm curious about how these tests are keeping up with the fact that there are uh, synthetic drugs, uh, newer drugs that are now in existence that may not have been well, were not in existence. Dr. Holsteg, earlier on when this test was created, how are these tests dealing with recognizing the synthetic and newer drugs? 
Uh, they're not. That's the problem. So, for example, the opioid class, certainly they pick up heroin, which gets metabolized to morphine, and then it looks for morphine metabolites, uh, certainly present and prevalent in the 1980s and still to this day. But now we also have fentanyl, fentanyl analogs. We have other opioids, even uh, opioids that are from the pharmaceutical industry. Methadone is not picked up by the opiate essay. Uh, tramadol. Uh, hydrocodone, oxycodone, it depends on which amino assay you're using. So there is a plethora of opioids uh, that may not be picked up by just that specific one. Add to that, we're seeing synthetic uh, cannabinoids. Uh, those are not picked Say up. Say that again, Dr. Holsteg. Yeah, synthetic cannabinoids are the, the, the uh, substances that are agonists at the cannabinoid receptor where we think marijuana works, right? So uh, many of those came out in 2009, 2010 is when we really had a large outbreak of K2, Spice. They're known by their slang names, uh, other substances. Uh, those were not picked up. Um, we also have a lot of plant-based, uh, uh, Kratom, uh, Salvia Denorum. Uh, there's a whole host of substances that are not picked up by urine drug screens, the ones that are commercially available. So. Based on what you're saying, Dr. Holsteg, it is really possible. I don't want to use the word probable because I don't know the statistics on this. It is possible for someone to beat the system. Yes. And it's uh, part of the challenge is what is the system? What is the this drug screen that they're utilizing? And then do they do confirmation screening? So my smaller hospitals that I cover, critical access hospitals, do just immunoassays. Uh, the University of Virginia, where I work, uh, we actually have confirmation by what's known as uh, chromatography. Um, and there's a number of different ways that's done, but we have more extensive testing. But even our testing that we typically do can miss many substances. And that's where the challenge is. Uh, the internet has opened Pandora's box. In 2013, the United Nations Office of Drug and Crime came out with a statement that for the first time they, since the 1960s, uh, since its existence, uh, they had lost control of the synthetic drug market. There's so many new synthetics coming out and so rapid, we can't keep up. Uh, and none of those are being picked up by the screens. And I see this routinely in my practice. And that makes it very challenging. It makes it challenging for law enforcement, for state forensics, for uh, us in medicine to know exactly what our, our patients are taking. Um, I, I want to follow up on on this question. So say, doctor, that uh, a patient suffers an acute overdose. What additional testing can and should be performed to identify the substances in that person, that patient system? Yeah, I always teach my uh, class and at the bedside. The first thing is the physical exam, the importance of looking at the physical exam. Second is what other laboratory tests do we have to kind of clue into what they may have taken? That includes uh, the electrocardiogram. And then three, we can do the drug screen to get some idea of what might be their common substances. But if we really need to do more analytics, we may have to go to a more sophisticated lab. And there's some commercial labs that are very good that can do more sophisticated analytics. Now, the treatment of my patients when they overdose, does it really change management? It doesn't, and we don't necessarily have to do that. But there are cases, for example, for public health surveillance, where I might have a clustering of patients that come in, where I may send off for more extensive analytics, or for child abuse, 
uh, I may end up doing more extensive analytics worried what the child may have been given or gotten into in their home environment. So as a clinician, we just need to realize the drug screens are limited. They're not going to pick everything up. And just because there isn't something positive on the drug screen does not mean that there's not an illicit substance or a new emerging substance mm. uh, there. Now, I have a final question about this whole question of the DEA changing policies and, and the so-called X waiver. But before I do that, I did not ask you this, Dr. Holstegg, in, in the first interview we did um, on medical errors. Your fascination, your passion for the field of toxicology comes from where? Uh, chemistry in undergrad. Uh, and I think, you know, as physicians uh, and the other clinicians, we are allopathic and we are using medications to treat patients. It's exceedingly important that we know the medications and what they're doing on the human body when we're giving them to them. As a physician, I don't want to do harm. I want to make sure that we're giving as a benefit. And uh, that's really where my fascination is with it. If we're going to give substances to people, we need to make sure how those are working and that it's a benefit to them. And that's where my teaching comes uh, to. My final question. So I mentioned the DEA, the Drug Enforcement um, Agency, the administration there. What, first of all, what's an X waiver and what has it changed and why is it important? Sorry to ask a multi-part question. What, what is this X waiver? Yeah, the X waiver program uh, really allowed us, this is with buprenorphine came out. It allowed uh, clinicians to then prescribe buprenorphine uh, for those who have an opioid addiction uh, to start their treatment. And um, there was a special waiver that allowed us to uh, be able to prescribe. Uh, and it was somewhat of a barrier uh, to be able to prescribe uh, buprenorphine to our patient population. And this matters to our physicians listening right now because? Well, we're seeing a pretty significant opioid epidemic uh, that's expanding. And uh, we see an importance of uh, buprenorphine for treatment uh, to start uh, addiction treatment early. And so now with this uh, more open ability to prescribe buprenorphine, we can now uh, initiate more easily. Um, and uh, it doesn't limit or cap uh, the patients who we are prescribing or how we're treating them. And there's some clinicians who are actually managing quite a few patients right now with opioid addiction and using buprenorphine. So it's one of the ways to try to combat right now uh, what we see as an escalation with the opiate epidemic, uh, which is pretty profound. Uh, it's leading to a lot of deaths. Uh, and certainly in my practice, I see opioid overdoses nearly daily now. Mm -hmm. Dr. Holstead, incredibly important information. I'm glad um, you've shared that with our uh, podcast audience. I want to thank you very much. We appreciate it. Thank you, Steve. On behalf of the teams at MD Advantage and MagMutual, this has been Steve Adubato. We thank you so much for listening. Check us out next time.